Welcome to Reconciled Church Miami, Pastor Aldo Leon. All right, we are at the end of chapter 10 of Acts and the beginning of 11. So this is part two of the message I preached uh, before. So part two, remember, I was like, listen, what is, the, what is something that oftentimes gets in the way of the gospel? What gets in the way of the gospel? And what we, what we saw from the whole chap, chapter 10 or most of chapter 10 is that us trusting in Jesus plus our ethnic, ethnic distinctions and culture distinctions, it gets in the way of the gospel. So God addresses that through this whole narrative. Now, here's what I want to deal with today in part two of that. What happens when we let our ethnic distinctions get out of the way of the gospel? What happens? Right here we see what happens. And we're Americans, right? We like results, correct? What happens? Well, here's your divine results. They may not be your results, but they're God's results. And so as you think, am I, here's what I want, I want you to ask, am I allowing the gospel to be the only thing that I am mostly trusting, or am I looking to my cultural and ethnic things that I trust and Christ? Am I doing that? Here are your tangible measures for you to know either that you are trusting Christ in a not bringing my baggage to it, or if you are really lacking in that and you need to grow in that. So I'm just going to get right into it, and I'm going to read the text as I go along. So here's the first thing you see when we let ethnicity get out of the way of the gospel. We get out of God's way. We get out of God's way. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, so Peter's preaching the text we went through last Sunday, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were also astounded because a gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on, on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speaking in other languages and declaring the greatness of God. So Pentecost happens and, and people speak in other languages. Notice languages, not gibberish, okay? They speak in languages. And right now what, what, what the Jews are seeing is that the same Pentecost event, not another Pentecost, is now being extended to this Gentile. So basically, listen, when Peter preaches a gospel that is about Christ and not Christ plus Jewish preferences, God just comes and he moves and he conquers and he converts in the midst of the message. There's no help involved. There's no altar call. There's no kind of crisis moment. When we get out of God's way, he just shows up when he wants and we don't need to help him. Listen, this is how God always works. A lot of times people ask, hey, why don't you have like a, a decision moment? Because God doesn't need that. When you preach God's word, God just shows up. I don't got to invite him. He comes when Christ is preached. So we don't need to, you know, we don't need to add our little cultural vibe, emotional music. We don't need to add our cultural preferences and our cultural standards and our cultural lingo and all of our cultural whatever. We just get out of the way. And when we get out of the way and we just like God be God and Christ be Christ, the spirit of God moves. It's like my wife when, you know, she's organizing in the house, and I'm like, can I help? She says, just get out of the way. 
when you help with the cleanup process, you jack it up. So God is saying, guess what? You know what happens when you stop adding all of your little preferences and cultural things to the gospel? You get out of my way. And I do what I do. Listen, God is not iced tea, okay? You know what iced tea is? Regular iced tea, you need to dump a whole a lot of sugar into it. God doesn't need any additions. He doesn't need your little cultural sugars. Just get out of the room and let God be God in the room with his words about his son. First, we get out of God's way. Second thing we do, we simplify God's birth certificate. We simplify God's birth certificate. It says in verse 46, Peter responded, can anyone withhold water to prevent these people from being baptized? Who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to stay a couple ways. So here's, here's what happens. Baptism, let me explain. Baptism simply means, baptism points to your initiation rights into God's covenant communion. So baptism points to you're in this thing. You got you you, you have a you you got you've gotten into the entrance, the the doorway. What is the doorway to the church? It is baptism and what it points to. So in in a way, you can say baptism points to a divine birth certificate into God's things. And so, listen, when we begin to when we begin to apply the, when we, when we begin to get get out of the way of the gospel, we begin to make. The birth certificate for Christianity, a lot more simpler. We, 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 we remove all the humanistic complexities, and all of a sudden, the, the birth certificate, the, the, the doorway to Christianity becomes much more Christ-centeredly simple. Listen, we like to doodle on God's birth certificate. Okay? Right? So we say, listen, here's, here's the entrance and I'm going to doodle on it. My cultural preferences, my cultural standards, my ethnic likes and preferences, we start doodling all these things on God's birth certificate. We start adding all these things. And, and all of a sudden, you see the birth certificate, and there, it looks like a high school yearbook, Okay? So we add our political values and our political preferences and how you raise kids and, you know, like if you want to be Christian, act like a white dude or if you want to be a Christian, act like a Latino or act like a black person. And listen, when we begin to get away the gospel, we simplify God's birth certificate and we say, listen, there is one doorway, one birth certificate, and on that birth certificate, there's only one person. It's Jesus Christ. And it's incarnation where the eternal God becomes man in one person. And he lives a sinless life under God's law for us. And he dies a wrath-bearing, sin-canceling death on the cross for us. He's buried and raised three days later for our justification and adoption and new creation. And he goes back to heaven and that alone and nothing else is on God's birth certificate. So if you believe that, you're in the door. Amen. I remember I was talking to a, a young guy who was going to a church in this city. And he was like, in this church, 
if you start serving a lot, they make you feel like you're in. And he's like, when I'm with you, like, I feel like with y'all, I feel like you're just in because you're in Jesus. That's when we, when, when we get the gospel and we stop adding all our stuff, we simplify what it means to be in. And we don't overcomplicate it. So it looks like us simplifying the birth certificate. Thirdly, we begin to identify with others. We begin to identify with others. Look, it says, then Peter responded, can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who were received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the Spirit, but in, in, the, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the Spirit. So check this out. They're saying, like, look, these people received the Spirit like we did. They had the same, the gospel was applied to them too. So all of a sudden, because they're sharing they're seeing the other person as having shared an experience of the Holy Spirit applying the gospel. They're saying they're like us. Why? Because that same thing happened to them that was like salvation specific. Now, listen, here's an example of something that, 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 that uh, I think is helpful. Notice that why is there so much um, camaraderie amongst military people a lot of times? If you're, if you're saying that's not your case, okay, whatever. Just you get the general idea. Or policemen, or abuse victims, or even addicts who almost died. Why is there so much commonality? It's not because of how they live their lives. It's because they both share traumatic experiences. They share traumatic experiences. And so what Peter's saying, since we share the same traumatic experience of dying in Jesus, since we all died in Christ, and our life ended in Christ. And we all experienced the amen of the resurrection together. Since, since we all share that event, we can see others as being like us. Okay? So guess what? The white guy, the black guy, the Latino guy, the Colombian guy, the, uh, the black American, the Haitian American, guess what? They all have a common experience in the traumatic event of dying with Jesus and being raised. Now, let me give you an example of this for me. Um, well, before I knew Jesus, I, I didn't hang out with uh, people that weren't Latino and black, okay? I didn't. And then I get saved, and <laughs> my four good friends become four not Latino white dudes. One guy was Frank, who was like this dorky, this dorky white guy who liked jazz music. The other guy was Ken, who was a painter, you know, and kind of like hillbilly-ish a bit. And the other guy was Jeremy, who was from, like, the country, but he was, you know, he was more educated. These people became my best friends. Do you know why? Because I stopped seeing that otherness is a divider, and I stopped seeing... That, that connection and fellowship is because all these men, we have all experienced the common event of the gospel being applied to us. So we're connected in our otherness. That's how you know you're, you're getting out of the way of the gospel. When all of a sudden, what you share in the event of the gospel becomes much more important than what distinguishes you culturally or ethnically. Here's the next thing I see. What happens when we're getting out of the way of the gospel? 
We bring others fully in, not partially in. We bring them fully in, not partially in. It says, can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And we commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Holy of Jesus Christ, and they asked him to stay a few days. So basically, it's like, yo, yo, let's baptize him and let's 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 stay in each other's houses right away. Now, there's two kinds of families, and most of you probably will, will fit into one of these. So there's some people that when you get married to someone, because you have a marriage competent, their parents treat you like you're one of their kids. Any any of y'all experience that? You did? Already? Wow. Good stuff, man. And then there's other families where your marriage covenant, you're always married to my daughter. You know? So DNA trumps covenant. Beloved, in God's economy, covenant trumps your DNA. Where you're culturally at, where you're naturally at, that is trumped by... That is trumped by you identifying with Jesus. God does not say, listen, you're not a Jew like the people I dealt with mostly for the first good part of biblical history or history period. So I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you an, an efficiency over there. Okay? And you'll live on my property, but you'll live in the efficiency. No. God puts us right in the living room right away, right away. So you're in Jesus, you're in and fully in, not like we got we to gotta haze you, okay? Listen, Christianity is not karate class where you, you, you graduate belts, all right? You get in, you get a black belt because Jesus <laughs> brings you fully in to full privileges Right away. Now, now listen, I'm, I'm going to say, listen, that should affect the way you see people here. Listen, people should not be people that you just like on a Sunday afternoon, but they're not in your dinner tables ever. They're not in your home ever. They're not in your conversations ever, beloved. If you're in, you're all in, which means you're all in like we're all connected. We're not just Sunday morning Christians. Hey, brother, so nice to see you for an hour. Peace. Now my interim, intimate life has nothing to do with you. No, God brings us in and fully in. And when we get that, we begin to apply that to those around us. Listen, it's not like, listen, like I have my, 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 my Christian friends that I really like and all the rest of y'all, y'all ugly stepchildren on the back of the wall. But when God brings us fully in, so that means that we should... Make people that are like other, that we're connected to in Jesus, feel like they're... Here's something interesting for me. I'll give you some experiential, like, you know, pictures. When I moved to California to, to do Bible college and, and whatnot, there was this, this white dude named Chad who talked like this. He's like, hey, hey, brother. Love you, man. Bro, that, that family and his wife, they would have us over for Christmas... And Thanksgiving, even though, like, I mean, he had, they had more in common with Rebecca, you know. <laughs> Why? Because, like, man, if you in, then you all in. You know what I'm saying? So we had this deep in this because of Christ, not because 
oh, yeah, like we're like so alike. That's so wonderful. Like let's be close because we're so alike. Beloved, that's not how God is like this. Therefore, it don't make a whole lot of sense to be like this exclusively. I'm not saying that you don't have people that you share things with that you can't like. I'm just saying that in the church, it has to be more than that. So we bring them fully in, not partially in. I have like four more things to say that are, that are quick. We begin to distinguish people based on salvation. We, we distinguish them based on salvation. Look, he says, listen, these people get the same sign that we get. Why? Why, why, do they, why do they get that same mark, badge that points to salvation? Why do they get that? Because they received the Holy Spirit just like we did. So listen, in this country, we're marked differently based upon different things. So some of y'all got green cards. Some of y'all got work visas. So you're marked by that in America. And some of you have American passports. Beloved, in the economy of God, everyone is distinguished by a gospel passport. Nobody has a green card or a working visa that distinguishes them. What, 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 what mostly uniquely defines us is not our blackness, not our whiteness, not our millennialness, not our oldness, right? Not our economic brackets, not even like your past. Well, you know what? Like I was a gangbanger before Jesus. That marks me. You know, I was, you know, a sexual predator or a sexual, you know, uh, perverse person. So that's what marks me. Or, or I was an addict of some sort and that's what marks me. And I was, you know, a whatever of some sort. Listen, when you become a Christian, what marks you, what tattoos you, what identifies you is Christ. You are a Christian. You are washed. That, 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 the waters of baptism points to the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ enduring your wrath has washed you purely before God and raised you before his throne righteous. You are now marked and defined and distinguished by the gospel more than anything else. You begin to define people by, yo, you know what? Jesus died for him. Jesus was raised for him. Jesus promised things to him. We begin to be distinguished by. And you know what? I think we're in a day now where everyone wants to obsess about their little categories. You know, it's like the, the, the woman movement and the gender movement and, 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 and the black church movement and, and the, and, and listen, that's cheesy. You are identified and marked by water pointing to Christ. Get over all of those smaller things and become massive definers. Who am I? I have a passport of gospel, a marker of cross and resurrection. So we begin to distinguish them redemptively. Now, I have to read a little bit more for this one. But here's another evidence that we're getting out of the way of the gospel. We begin to connect the church to the cross as opposed to connect the cross. The church, the cross leads us to understand church as opposed to church leads us to understand cross. Look, look what happens. So like Peter 
baptizes these pagans. And like his Jewish homeboys are like, hold up. Wait a minute. Let us put some legalism in it. You know, like, hold up. So this, this, this is the conversation. I, I did not plan that. It just, it just happened. <laughs> the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles welcomed God's message also. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem to those who stressed circumcision, their cultural distinctives, um, actually circumcision pointed to Christ, but they thought it pointed to themselves. They just missed it. But anyways, um, you visited uncircumcised men and you ate with them? We do that here. We just do it differently. Peter began explaining to them in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the town of Joppa praying, and I saw in a visionary said an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners from heaven, and it came to me. When I looked closely and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the sky. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I said, for nothing common or ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. Oh, Peter, you're so awesome. But a voice answered me from heaven a second time. What God has made clean, you must not call common. Now, this happened three times. Three times! Emphatically so. And everything was drawn up again into heaven. And then the people began to understand. So basically, Peter's saying, listen, when you're getting out of the gospel, you begin to look at this, what this means, what salvation means, and as you look at this, then you begin to understand what the church is like. Now, let me give you a picture. But, but, but the, what the Jews were doing is they were looking at the church, and they were saying, how do we understand the, the salvation of Jesus in light of what the church? And here's a picture. This is what I do um, when I get Ikea stuff. I just start working and, and, and building it, okay? And then after I started working and building it, I then look back at the blueprints, and I try to make sense of the blueprints and a lot of what I've been doing. Did any of you do that? <laughs> Look, this is what I'm doing. So I'm trying to go here. And he's like, no, go to the blueprints. And then you begin to work. Listen, what we're learning here is that, listen, you got to go to what the cross says, what the resurrection says, and then understand the church as opposed to what we oftentimes do is we have these cultural categories, okay, in the church, and then we try to read it back into the gospel. Let me give you an example. So on the ground, we have this understanding of busyness, and so we read the gospel through the culture of busyness, and then we think that Jesus comes just to make us busy and productive and make the brand of the church do really well because the cultural vibe is busyness, and we read that back into the gospel. Or the cultural vibe is we are self-improved people. So because we're self-improved people, and that's what the church is like, we then read that back into the gospel, and we see a gospel that says, Jesus comes to help you be the best you with just some advice. And so we look at this, and we look back at that. Or, or we do certain things, like... The culture here is about pleasure and entertainment and, and making everyone happy. And so we, we go back to the gospel based on what we see here, and we say, Jesus died to entertain us and please us and make us happy. And, you know, we do it with materialism, right? So all of a sudden now, like, because materialism is a culture, we now read that back in the gospel. 
So what did, why did Jesus, why did he, why did he die and was raised? So he can give you a bunch of good stuff because we're looking at this and we're going back to this. And Peter's saying, listen, look at that and then read this in light of that. So if the gospel tells me that a church is saved by Jesus Christ, living, dying, being raised, and ascending for us, not because of us, then guess what this community's like? We are always people receiving the rescue of Christ everywhere, all the time. So small groups are about what? I need Jesus. Counseling. Y'all got marriage problems. What's that about? Better communication. No, we need Jesus. Sermons. Teachings, Sunday schools, the cultural habits and rhythms and, and your kids. If this is about Christ for us, then all this is about Christ for us. It's connected. So Peter is making a connection from the redemptive things down as opposed to starting here and working our way back up. We begin to connect Christ to the church, not the church to it Self. Listen, start with the gospel blueprints and then work your way down. And you will understand what this is about. Here's a, one of my last two points. When we get out of the gospel's way, we become an own church, not we own church. An own church, not we own church. Look what it says in verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them, just as us at the beginning. Then I remember the word of the Lord where he said, John, baptize you with water, but ye will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave them the same gift that we also gave to us when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, how can I possibly hinder God? So listen. If we're saved by grace and not anything Jewish, and he saved them the same way, not because they were Jewish first and then they got believe in Jesus, then this is God's thing. His church, he gets to run it how he wants. Now, let me give you an example of this. Um, look, I live in the world of pastors, so like, if my examples are highly from the pastor's world, you know why. So I remember I was talking to a, a, a local pastor, and they were explaining to me, um, their membership process. And he said, I-, I won't let people become a member if they don't move close to the church, like within four blocks of the church. I won't let people become members if they don't, if they don't, if, if they don't attend the Bible studies and the classes. And, and I won't let, and it was like, by the end of the day, it was like, how many members do you have? Like, oh, I got like five. No wonder, bro. Because you think the gospel it's a mixture of you and Jesus. You think you own this thing. And you're the gatekeeper. You're the gatekeeper, right? But if salvation is entirely of God's grace, not your morality, not your will, not your whatever, if it's entirely God's reason why we hear, then I am not a gatekeeper. I am kept by the gatekeeper. I am not a gatekeeper. I am kept by the gatekeeper. 
We are not co-redeemers with Jesus. We're not co-saviors with Jesus. And so if that's the case, if I didn't, if I had no stake, no stake, no help, no assistance in the salvation business of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Spirit, then you know what? They tell us what it means to be in. They tell us what it means to be in. Or here's, here's another example of this. You know, like in a lot of places in Miami, it's like you got to speak in, a, you know, you got to speak in tongues to get in. God never said that. He never said that. He said that whoever believes on the name of Jesus and confesses his name is in, okay? But we love to become the gatekeepers because we suspect that God added something about us to the salvation thing. So here's the last thing. When we're getting out of the way of the gospel, what happens? We see cross and culture connected. Cross and culture connected. So culture is just the rhythms, values, kind of, you know, normal, like, interconnected things that go on. Look what it says in verse 8, and this is the last verse I'll read. When they heard this, they became silent. So all of, all of like, the, you know, Jew, the, the, Peter's Jewish homeboys and naysayers, they got quiet. Listen to what they said. Then they glorified God, saying, so God has granted repentance. How did they repent? But wait a second. I, I repented. What, what does the text say? God granted you repentance. Yes, you repented, but God granted you repentance. If God has granted repentance resulting in life, to the Gentiles, all right, we in, we good, we together, we are part of this. So listen, the, the Jews are finally getting that, that, that the church is a place where God acts, God moves, God chooses, and because he acts and brings us in by his actions, ain't nobody have some kind of elevated level of like, imp, like, like impressiveness that can kind of remove others. So listen, look, this, is, this is a seminal theater. So in the Seminole Theater, there's two kinds of people in the Seminole Theater. There's the actors on the stage. They come in to act. And then there's the acted upon in the seats. In the church, who are you? You ain't on the stage. You are in the seats where God is acting upon you. God is moving upon you. That's the church. And the more a church becomes a place where God chooses, God acts, God moves, God defines, you know what happens to us? We begin to get low. <laughs> like, we... we <laughs> because what is this place? This is a place where the omnipotent, mighty God acts on powerless, helpless people. So there's a lowness that leads to unity. But if a church is a place where it's all about us acting, where our songs, I have decided, guess what happens? Pride, prominence, arrogance. And all of a sudden, we begin to make those distinctions. But if this is a place where God is the only reason why we're here, if that's the only reason why you're here, not because you're smarter, more open, more humble, 
than the other pagan. No, you're here because God has granted, gifted repentance to you by the power of the Spirit. We are low and we are connected and we have a culture of receptivity and dependence. This is why they say, no man, if God is, if God is the one who's acting on everybody, Jews and Gentiles, <laughs> we got to all be low and be united. So let me just go back around and just give a bit of application about these things. So I kind of gave the idea. Like, hey, this is what it looks like when you're getting out of the way of the gospel. Let me just give some further exhortations. If removing us from the gospel gets us out of God's way, then we need to just, in our lives, listen, a lot of us are manipulating people close to us because we're trying to add something about us to the gospel, right? Beloved, stop. Get, get, just, I want to encourage you. Get out of the way. Get out of the way and just think of the gospel like a firework, okay? Like you light it and you, you walk away. Not the gospel like iced tea, you know, where you're, you got to stay there and, and dump all your stuff. Stop manipulating everyone in your life with all of your eunice and get out of the way of the gospel, beloved. One, one application. Number two, if removing us from the gospel simplifies the birth certificate, the, the doorway in, then we need to stop. Hey, hold on real quick. Stop. Someone just hit me. If you haven't been baptized as a believer or you weren't baptized into a believing home as a child, um, then you should get baptized. So I don't know who that is in here. Um, just, just, that just came to me real quick, all right? If you've not been baptized as a believer or you weren't baptized into a believing home, then you need some water on you, okay? You need a, a sign of God's grace on you. Okay, all right, all right look, squirrel, okay. If removing us from the gospel simplifies the birth certificate, then we need to stop endlessly adding to the God's birth certificate and simplify it. So listen, you do this, I do this. In your house, you make people think that they're in God's thing because they make you happy. You'll never make them feel like they're in Christ unless they do something to make you happy. Right? You'll make people feel like they're in God's thing because they're as mature as you, and they say the things that you say, and they read the Bible how you must, so you're like, you know what? You're not devotionalizing like me, honey. You're not in. You don't say that, but that's how you act. You don't repent as much as me. You don't help with the kids as much as me. And we, we have all of these us distinctive things to the birth certificate. So whenever, whenever they meet your checklist and your preferences and your distinctives, you make them feel like God is happy with them. You know what that's doing? You're making yourself a Christ to them. You're making yourself a Christ to them as opposed to connecting them with Christ who gives them a much simpler birth certificate. You identify with Christ by faith and repentance. You are in the door. Not because, because you're responding to my doodling. You can think, I want when you think about how much are you doodling on God's birth certificate with people who are Christians in your, in your, in your context? You know? I feel like, you know what we do as, as, as Hispanic parents, and maybe other parents probably do this as well? You make your kids feel like if they act like you, talk like you, and do all the things you like, then God is happy with them. 
They dress like you. You know, they, 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 they have the same friends as you. Listen, that ain't God's birth certificate. So don't make that what you picture for your kids. Right? God's birth certificate is simple. We should simplify it. If removing us from the gospel removes us to identify with otherness, then we should have the similar way we see kids in our home with the way we see people in the church. So, so in, in, in your house, kids are older, they're younger. Some look like you, some don't. You'd be like, I wonder why that is. <laughs> some look more like you, some look less. But guess what? They all have your DNA. And because they all have your DNA, what? You have a commonality. Beloved, that should be something of what it looks like in this church. Like, that dude has blood on his head. The blood of Jesus, okay? Metaphorically speaking. That dude has a resurrection on his resume. That dude has the same promises that I have over his soul. So we're different, but because we have those same distinctive things. Listen, Christianity is really simple. Because you're the same wretched person, evil person that is saved by someone dying for you, we got something really in common in our otherness, right? We should see things like that in the church. I have two more just points of application. If removing us from the gospel leads us to connect church with the gospel, then we should be making the connections. We should be making the connections. Let me give you an example of this. Um... I was uh, talking to a friend of mine about a church in Miami. And he told me that they had a dinner for you because you gave a lot more than other people. Now, this is just one example. And don't be like, oh, my gosh, that's so shady. Like, we do it in other ways. So what am I saying in that? We got fellowship celebration and commonality because of how much money you give the institution. As opposed to, you know why we throw dinners? Because you're in Jesus. Because Christ died for you. Because Christ lived for you, was raised for you. That's why we throw dinners. Not because you're on the top 10% giving list. That's demonic. A church is a place where we understand the ground level what we see and celebrate and connect with to be about the gospel. I said one time, sometimes uh, I heard people say in this church, well, yeah, you know, we should, we should reach out to them because they serve a lot. What? What? What did you say? Oh, oh, okay. So we're saved by the gospel of grace, but we're in and we're cared for because you serve a lot. That's not connecting the gospel, the gospel with the church culture. Same thing on the ground. We have the connection nearness, not by those things that we add to. Here's the last thing I'd say, and then I'll move us to the table. If removing us from the gospel leads us to be owned, not an owned church, then we should never be cliquish and territorial. We should never be cliquish and territorial. Now, let me give a practical application to us. Um, so, um, there's conversations with us church potentially joining Pineless Presbyterian. It's, not, it's no secret, right? So there's two churches having a conversation about potentially joining. It may not happen. It may happen. 
But here's how we could process the situation. I, I am the worship man. I am the worship singer. My, my stuff. Are, are you going to step on my stuff? I'm the kids ministry person. My thing, my church, my ministry. You're real quiet, right? I post pictures. I click slides, throw them out. I do this, I do that. And all of a sudden, the church becomes a bunch of people who think that the reason why the church is what it is because they own something, claim something, and do something. Listen, you don't own nothing in this church. You own nothing in this church. Jesus owns you. And so the way you see your Christianity is light of the fact that Jesus is the owner, ruler, and he can move you in, move you out. He can promote you. He can demote you. He can subtract you. He can add you. He can make you the hallelujah man, or he can make you the, the pew man. It doesn't matter because this is God's church. And you know what, beloved, you know what makes, here's one of the things I've noticed in Miami is that everyone, not everyone, but it's so common that people are acting like it's their church. Like, yo, the only person that could say it's their church is the one who 2,000 years ago lived for the church, died for the church, was raised for the church, and was seated for the church, and everybody else owns nothing. Jesus owns us. And that's how we should see things. Suppose you like, are you stepping, stepping on my... Reminds me of my kids, my kids with their toys. Mine. I give a lot of money here. So what? I put a lot of time here. So what? Jesus put eternity on his soul for your eternity in hell on the cross in six hours. Beat that. Beat that. <laughs> this is not our thing. This is God's thing. And so we could see it that way. Let me pray and uh, move us to the table. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, I, I don't know about anybody else, but it is so exhausting for us to always be throwing ourselves in the way of your stuff. I'm always throwing myself in the way of your things. I'm always making everything about me. God, thank you that there is your word. There is your Holy Spirit. There is the means of repentance and faith so that we can regularly get out of the way as we get in the way. Lord, please help us. Help us to never get stuck in all of our little, smaller, distinctive things that we trust and we worship and we love. And God, help us to just be defined and understand the church in light of who we are in Christ alone. In your name I pray, amen. That concludes our message, and we hope that you were inspired by it. If you'd like to hear more about the gospel or find out more about Reconciled Church Miami, please connect with us using one of the ways listed on our website, reconcilechurchmiami.org.